Hi, everyone. It's Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie. Welcome back to the podcast. If you listened last week, you know I'm doing a series right now around self-care untruths. So the untruths are what we believe about self-care that is affecting our self-care. And from my experience of working with many people around their self-care, it are untruths. They're things that we believe that actually keep us from practicing self-care. Last week, I talked about the first one in the series. I'm going to do three. And the first one is that we have to fix ourselves in order to be of service to other people. And that's something I think, if you just listen to the podcast, if you want to go deeper into that, and it, I really break down the difference between self-improvement and self-care and how understanding that difference not only breaks you free from a lot of the self-care blocks you might be experiencing, but it will help you step up and be of service to others in your self-care pursuit. So check that out. This week, I'll talk about the second one in this series, and that is the self-care untruth that your self-care should always feel good. This is a big one for me to break down, and it's taken me decades because I, from a very young age, really thought self-care was a place I could it was a fantasy place for me. It was a place that I could hide. And I believed that if I managed to get my self-care together, that I would be able to find a, a place where I could escape my problems. So this is really normal, and I think a lot of us are in that place. It's also something that I think we're sold by other people. That, and this is, if you look at a magazine or if you watch television and watch a few commercials, we learn that if you are just doing all the things, and if you are healthy and thin and in a heteronormative relationship and have a, have a family sitting around and eating dinner, that it's going to help you escape from any problems. And especially as women, I think we're put into this category that we should always be okay and we should have our you know, emotions completely figured out. We should never gain weight. We should um, have long hair, whatever, whatever the messages that we receive are. And many of us receive them so early in life. Like I can't remember a time when I wasn't exposed to advertising and media. So it, it forms the way that we see the world and the way that we see ourselves in the world and the way that we consider our self-care. So it can be revolutionary because there are so many aspects that we cannot change around how we see the world or how the world is interacting. But what we can change is our self-care. And what I find is if we can make a change in one in our self-care, it actually changes our whole perspective with which we see everything. And so it's by examining these untruths in our, in our self-care, the way that we see ourselves, the way that we care for ourselves, which is so essential to our survival in this world, that we begin to change our perspective of the world. I'll give you an example of self-care in my own life not feeling good and it still being extremely effective. So about six years ago, and if you read my newsletter that I send out on Wednesdays, I, I broke this story down, but just if, in case you don't read the newsletter or you just want to hear a little bit more about what the experience was like for me around the self-care, I'll, I'll tell it to you again. So six years ago, I was living in Washington, D.C., teaching yoga, doing photography on the weekends, in a relationship, living with my partner at the time, and feeling like you know I had a, I'd arrived at some level of things. I felt pretty stable in my life in a lot of ways. But the thing that didn't feel good to me was my self-care. 
And it was hard feeling to describe because it was like on the surface, I was very healthy. And I think a lot of people in my life would have said that I was like one of the healthier people that they knew. But in myself, I felt like it wasn't, the self-care wasn't coming from the right place. And particularly the things that I, I was not feeling in integrity around were that I, I drank more than I wanted to drink and I smoked more pot than I wanted to smoke, meaning that I would do it and then I would just kind of feel like, why did I do that afterwards? And I also ate more than I wanted to eat. And I, I didn't, I talked a lot about doing practices like meditation and yoga. And I, and I just didn't make a lot of time for them in my life. And in terms of my really, my emotions and my relationships, I just didn't feel like there was some level I was really um, able to achieve the intimacy I was looking for with myself or with other people. So I, I like knew enough to know that I wasn't doing these things in the way that I, I felt really good about and I, I just got this energy within me at that time. And I, it was like something bigger than me happened where I was like, I need to take better care of myself. And it came on very strong. I listened to it. And one of the, one of the first things I did was sign up for this nine month long immersion in Ayurveda and Ayurveda is, it's the sister science to yoga. So it's a lot around how to wake up in the morning and what to eat and different constitutions. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know, I talk about Ayurveda. It's, it's definitely a framework with which I see the world. So it was just as I was like feeling this great momentum that I was taking care of myself, that my partner and I decided to sit down and have this conversation around our relationship. Particularly, we talked about how we, we loved each other, but we didn't feel in love. And we didn't know what to do with that because I, uh, before that we had been on the, I, idea track that we were going to get married and have kids and this was it. So because we weren't ready to make a decision, all we could do was say, let's just see what happens and we'll focus on a relationship, go see a therapist, do all the things. And it, it ended up being six months of limbo of us not knowing what was happening. And I, I didn't know how long it would last. I didn't know if it would end. I was very afraid and very anxious about what would happen if we broke up. And then also in moments, just very afraid and anxious about what would happen if we stayed together. And I didn't know what to do, but I also knew that the self-care was non-negotiable at this point, that I, I knew that I needed to be taking care of myself. So I just went, I leaned in harder and I got up and I meditated, drank smoothies. That was a big thing for me. And I'm not saying that smoothies make you healthy, but for me at that time, that just made me feel like I was taking care of myself and it felt good. So I, I just, whatever felt good, I leaned into it harder and at the end of that period, it was about six months later, I actually felt like, yeah, let's, I'll stay in this relationship. I, if I can take care of myself, anything can work. And that was when my partner at the time sat me down and was like, I don't think this is going to work and broke up with me. I moved out of our apartment and uh, like all of a sudden things just changed very quickly, which on some level, I, I guess I had been preparing for. But on another level, I was scared because I I'd known that in past relationships, especially when the other person left, it brought up a lot of abandonment feelings for me. And I don't want to say that none of those feelings came up, but I felt a lot of relief and a lot of trust in myself at that time that I could be okay. And I had a lot of support around me, people reaching out and being there for me, and that helped immensely. But I was practicing self-care, and I wasn't numbing my feelings. I was, I was pretty present for the whole thing. And I felt like myself. And I don't know, I know, I don't know any other way to say it, but I just felt really strong and resilient and in touch with myself. So I was stabilizing a few months after that and just kind of getting my life together and figuring out what I was going to do next. I actually decided to start Beautiful Life Self-Care then, that I, I wanted to teach more people about self-care because it had just been so transformational for me. 
And it was around that time, it was, I think my ex and I broke up in October. And then in February, I had a conversation with my father where he told me that he'd had a lot of going to the hospital, medical things, and no one really knew what was up. And he was like, actually, they've diagnosed it and I have leukemia. It's actually not that big of a deal. Like kind of in the same breath, he's like, I have leukemia. It's not that big of a deal. They think it's very treatable. So again, I was like, I don't really know what this means. I guess it's okay. We'll see. And he got into this great treatment program at Johns Hopkins Hospital. I live in Washington, D.C., and he moved to, he was in Baltimore. It was an inpatient program. So uh, it seemed, at first it was like going really super well, and I would go visit him like every, every week, sometimes every 10 days. I was like, he's going to get out of there soon. It'll be fine. And then uh, there was just anyone who's had a family member have an extended cancer treatment just knows it's a very up and down process. A lot of things happened. But at the end of the story was that his immune system started failing. And once your immune system fails, it's just very, very hard to get it back. So then it was about like three months of, of a lot of very invasive medical procedures. And this feeling like every time I would go see him, which was more and more often... Like, I don't see this getting better. And during this time, I'd already committed to starting doing self-care programs. I already had my first pilot group signed up. I was like, I could not stop this work because it was happening. And I also knew I could not stop being there for my dad because that was non-negotiable. And I also knew that I could not stop doing self-care because I could sense that that was the fuel that was helping me manage all of this and and not only be okay and kind of not fall apart but also be really in in really present and really in my own heart and really like I don't it's hard to talk about that time because it was just so much but to feel such a strong presence of love in such hard situations that I normally I think I would have just numbed or fallen apart during them so I wrote about this in my newsletter but I would drive to the hospital and I would be like it was always my reflection moments because everything else felt like it was moving so fast. But I would just be like, WTF, I don't, what is happening? This is, I wanted to take care of myself because I just really wanted to feel better. And now I'm not feeling better. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, this is hard. It's really, really, really hard. And it was like the breakup through my dad getting sick. It was just one hard situation on top of another hard situation. And yet I felt this wholeness in myself in the midst of everything. And it was, I was like, oh, this is the feeling I've been looking for. It's not about feeling like my problems have gone away or that I've achieved this ideal. Rather, it's feeling like I am, I am in integrity with myself and I am the woman I want to be, which means I can be there for my family. I can have a really difficult conversation with the doctors as we talk about treatment procedures. I can, I can show up and not, and not let my habitual insecurities and fears rule. They're always there. We never make them go away, but I can lead from this really strong, resilient place in myself. So that was the dawning where I realized like, oh, self-care is, and maybe it's actually not supposed to feel good. And, and it's continued. The process of me understanding this has continued as time has gone on. And, and I've uh, worked with lots of women, like hundreds of women around their self-care process. And I've seen this, that we, I think they come into it wanting to feel better. And I think people do feel better because when we're not living out of these resistant habitual patterns that kind of suck the life out of us, even though they're, they're kind of sucking the feeling away, which is what we're looking for when we numb. But when we are practicing self-care, it's like we have, the, we have the, the protection that we need to actually feel again and to be present. So 
and, and a lot of that is when I watch my clients and I watch myself, it's, it's doing uncomfortable things. It's setting boundaries with dysfunctional people in our lives. It's, it's saying like, I don't actually, I can't work at this job anymore because it's killing me. And it, it's facing these hard truths and feeling these feelings we haven't felt because they've been too, too complex and we haven't had the right skills to deal with them yet. Once we get self-care, all that stuff rises to the surface and life presents itself with you to you with really challenging circumstances. And the way that I see it is that the more that we can meet those circumstances with self-care, that we meet each of these blocks of these things that we hit that are resistance spaces. And what resistance is, I see, is it's that, that like jumble of energy that, it, that, we're, that once we get through it, we're about to grow and expand. And anytime we're about to grow and expand, we hit resistance. So I, I see this a lot with my son, Joni. He's about a year right now, a year old. And I think he's on a developmental edge where he's just about to do something because he's super fussy. He's having a hard time. And I see that. And I'm like, I, I actually think he's about to start talking more. And because he hit this right before he started walking, too. And it, it's like, oh, this is so inherent to who we are as individuals is that we hit a resistance pocket right before we grow and expand and, and come into more power in ourselves. And, um, but before that, because we don't have a good dialogue in our culture around what is it to meet these hard places in ourselves and move through them and take care of ourselves and get the support that we need, instead we feel like we've failed in some way that we're feeling this way. And, and what we do is we just get stuck in that resistance pattern. For And some people, they get stuck their whole entire lives. And a lot of people out there, I think, have actually organized their whole entire lives around not feeling those feelings, which on the other side of those feelings, I can see over and over and over again is growth and expansion. And it actually is feeling better. I say you would never just feel good because good is a flatline emotion if that's all you're looking for. And, and you don't want that. Like none of us want to just feel... Uh, I'm trying to think of like the Stepford Wives, like zombies. We don't, we don't want to feel that way. That's not healthy. We want to feel a full range of emotions and to be able to move fluidly between those emotions and use and channel the power of those emotions into service and connection and it more and more integrity for ourselves. And that's, that's what I think the path of self-care means, that if we're really following a self-care path, we have to meet those places in ourselves and, and grow and expand on the other side of them. And we also have to be able to practice self-care during the hard moments of it all, because those resistance moments are just going to make you feel like you're going to die sometimes, or something is just, because a part of you is dying. And that's what I've learned, is that in those moments where I felt like I was just going to fall apart and anxious, confused, depressed, it was because there was actually a part of me that was dying, which was the old, the old aspect of me that didn't need to go into the next phase of who I am. And it dies, there's a grief, and then there's actually space for the next thing to move forward. So looking at this in a bigger picture of things, like why does society and media and culture want us to feel like our self-care should always feel good. And I see that it's because people profit when that's the case. The diet industry is a great example of this, that we think that we're going to be happier and our problems will go away if we're thin. So we are sold this idea that we can do this on this, this very one level aspect of just restricting ourselves. That's impossible. It's really not a good way to make change, at least um, if you don't want to be miserable in the process of change. And, but so many of us buy into it, we actually literally spend a lot of money on this 
put all of our hopes and fantasies and dreams on it. And when it doesn't work out, because again, the resistance of like just willpower model of, of losing weight is not actually how we make change and grow in an effective long-term way. But we assumed it's because we failed and we lack willpower and we're lazy, which reinforces a story in ourselves that we're not capable of anything, which keeps us pretty subservient to the, the idea that we are just here to consume and buy and that we're defective and that we need to consume and we need to buy more. And that's, that keeps a certain kind of economy running and that keeps uh, certain people getting wealthier and other people not get, getting poorer. And it really, it really feeds the status quo. And so if we believe that and we personally buy into that fantasy that we could get better at some point and, and that idea of fixing ourselves, self-improvement, then, um, and then we assume that we're defective because we can't, then we're, we're never going to be able to show up in, in who we are and, and ask for change. And so on the other side of that, of like, well, if that vision's not true, like, I, I think the self-care vision is one where we are like, nope, I'm actually going to meet these blocks in myself, and I'm going to realize that I'm pretty good as I am. I just need to take better care of myself, and I can do that, and I will just do that a little bit every single day. Oop, there's another pocket of resistance. I'm going to lean into my support community. I am going to go to bed early. I am going to read the books that I need to read and book an extra session with my therapist. I'm feeling better. Oh, okay. Here's expansion. Wow. This actually feels really amazing and enthralling and like that all that resistance was actually worth it. And I'm looking at someone on the side of me here who is in that resistance and I can actually help them remember that like, just get through this hard part and you will get to expansion on the other side. And that, whoa, that service just made me feel way better. And now I have the energy to look at the world around me and say, wow, this is actually not fair that certain people are advantaged over other people in a systematic way. And that's not the values I want to pass on to my children. And that's not how I want to live my life. And my eyes are really open right now. And I actually feel that I have power that, yeah, it's going to be hard to make change and will feel resistance, but that there is expansion on the other side of that resistance. And I don't have to do it alone. That's, that's the last self-care untruth. I'm going to get to that one next week. And I think that's how we make a more beautiful life for everybody here in this world. And it takes, it takes us individually doing this within ourselves, but then if, if enough of us as individuals join together, then we actually have a movement. And that is something that when people are tapped into that power inside of themselves and we find a community around that, that is really, really, really powerful. And so I'm, I'm so invested in this right now. I, I say with all healing and growth and once you see something, you can't unsee it. So once I've gotten this vision, I'm, I, can't, I can't go back to just talking about health tips and the kind of basic self-care, even though I think that stuff is important. There are just so many other layers that I want to address in my own life right now, in my own work, and I want to hold the space for people who feel ready or even who like don't quite feel ready but also just feel excited about it and willing and ready to just work through some of the fear and resistance to, to see what's possible for themselves. That's what I'm invested in. And that's what I believe is possible. So all of this, it's, I'm leading up to the launch of the Beautiful Life Collective. It's the monthly membership community program I have around self-care and social justice that's debuting October 1st. I'm doing a, a bigger launch within my, email, my mail list, my Wednesday email list. So if you're not part of that, go to Self-Care with Gracie and sign up. 
There's a what's your self-care leadership style quiz that I just created to help us understand how we show up as leaders in different ways. And if you don't consider yourself a leader, but feel the desire to be a change agent, then it might be that your leadership style is just a little different. And I, I'm a, I have, I've offered something to help you understand that. And I'm going to go deeper into what that means and the specific self-care practices that you can use to feel like you're showing up in the way you want to show up as a leader and a change agent in your own life. And also there is a free webinar that I'm offering on September 24th, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. It's You call in, it's through Zoom, and I'll take your questions. I'm going to talk a lot about like the different layers of self-care and like, the very streamlined, if, if this is what you need to do kind of thing. Which doesn't mean it's easy to practice. It's just it's simple when you lay it all out. Of like these are the parts of yourself you need to tend to, and this is actually how to translate that into a more visionary kind of leadership, which is what I've been talking about here. So if you can't be live for that call, that's fine. But if you register, I'll send you the the link for it as well. So uh, lots of good information on my website, selfcarewithgracie.com. I really appreciate your attention and your willingness to want to think and feel more deeply into what it means to live from a different kind of self-care. Please write me at Gracie at Self-Care with Gracie if you have any questions or comments. I'd really love to hear them. And I'm excited to keep going. So have a wonderful rest of your day and week and take really good care of yourself because we need it right now. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. <laughs>